Dang. The streak is kept, kept alive. That was close. Thank you. The, uh, so I typically try to start off with like something that's uh, kind of related to what we're talking about, and it's like a, um, like a funny story or something interesting. Uh, if you ask Damani, I'm not the funniest person. Uh, he says it's because I'm a dad, and that's uh, dad jokes. It's, it's a disease. It's real, people. When you, uh, when you have kids, you will no longer be funny. Sorry, Damani. But, um, and so I'm going to start off with one of my uh, bad jokes or stories. But as I start off with that, I have a question for everyone. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you look back on it and you're like, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? Raise your hand if you've been like that before. Okay. So most people are raising their hand. Everyone else who didn't raise their hands, you're liars. Because everyone has been in that situation. I mean, I was in that situation. I was in that situation earlier today. I was in that situation oh, last Friday. Oh, man. Dude, Adam. Dude, I, I, like, got mad at some guy playing basketball and, like, tackled him. Um, yeah, it was, like, it was really bad. I didn't, I didn't really tackle him, but I was definitely too aggressive, and it was... Oh, Father, forgive me. But, um, yes, we all have these moments where we're like, we just do something really, we think it's a good idea, and we think it's going to make us happy, and then we're like, oh, gosh, why did I do do that? I remember one time, me and some friends, me and my small group leader, he wasn't a good small group leader at that one moment in time, but him and another guy who was in small group, we were like, hey, it's a great idea to try to stack three guys on top of each other, and so... We, I was the middle guy, and so one guy, the one guy on the bottom was a wide receiver on the football team. I was in the middle, and I'm pretty athletic, and then my small group leader, he's athletic, except his knee, he had like tore his ACL like four times, and so leaping was not his, you know, his, it wasn't his strongest point, but he, we thought we need to put him at the top, and so when he like jumped, he didn't really jump. He kind of just grabbed my shoulders and pulled me back. And so I landed on my neck, you know, and my, you know, my feet f- fell over. And people, everybody who saw it said, we thought you were dead, you know. And it was, that's actually how Katie met me. Um, she walked up as, like, 20 people were, like, praying. And the ambulance had just showed up. And she's like, what's going on? I was like, oh, some, some dude almost died. And so that was the introduction. It was romantic. It was pretty awesome. But uh, so that was one thing I did to be, um, I don't know, we thought it would be fun. We thought it would be a good idea. You know, now we know better. Another thing that I did, and I have this wonderful picture uh, to show. It's a picture of my past. Don't laugh at my, uh, uh, you can't see me. All right, let me, black people problems and pictures. There we go. All right, there we go. Now you can see me. Look at that look at that terrible mustache. I'm there on the far left. The reason I'm showing you this is a picture from high school. This is actually the very first picture if you go on my Facebook profile page and look at my photos. This is the very first one. This is like way, way back, before graduation, obviously, because we're about to graduate. But um so these are these are the dudes I ran I ran with, you know, a couple of them didn't make it in the picture. Sam is in the far left, Adrian is in the far left, you can't see them, they got cropped out. They weren't that important. But um The reason I show you this picture is because we all thought it was a good idea. We lived in the suburbs of Houston, 
the suburbs of Houston. And some of y'all know this story, but there was a time in my life where I thought happiness would include me being a thug. You know, because that was when 50 Cent was still hot, you know, and Eminem and people were like, yo, if you want to be cool, you got to be a gangster, you know. And so we all acted like we were too bad, too cool for school. Well, one day, you know, like we're trying to be thugs and we're at a football game. And this is like, this is, yeah, we're at a football game and one of our friends gets into it with some Asians who are not the nicest Asians that you've met. And these, these guys were kind of tough, and we didn't realize how tough they were. They get into it. All of us get together like, yo, we're about to get into it with these dudes. They think they're all that. They're talking this trash. We're going to go fight them. And so we drive. We follow them out of, like, the parking lot, and we drive and follow them for, like, I mean, eight or nine miles into a gated, you know, apartment parking lot. And we follow them there. Well, the thing is, we actually aren't able to get in. They, like, got in, but but it was weird because they kind of wanted to fight us at the same time. So they came back, and we found out what they came back with. But they came, they come back out of the apartment complex, and when the chase is back on, we're, like, following them around, you know. We're, like, and it's, like, it's like they have two cars, and we have like seven. It's, it's not a fair fight at all, but it doesn't matter. We're, so we're going after these guys. Well, in Houston, and this is just in the south, you have on freeways, you have overpasses, and people just drive under them. We have this a little bit here in West Virginia, but they're not as long. In Texas, you know, we, this specific freeway is one of the biggest ones in Houston, and so each, each, each like, side or whatever, whatever you call it, like, Feet, not feeder, but like when you're going west, okay, you, it was like eight lane, it was an eight lane highway on each side. So it's a very long underpass. So they stop at this light and we all get out of the car and we're like, we got them. They get out of the cars with some weapons. <laughs> some of them have shotguns. Well, there's a shotgun there. Somebody has an automatic rifle, there's a pistol. And they just start shooting. And so <laughs> we just start running because all we brought is our fists and knives. Like, we don't, this is, we're, not, we're not professional fighters. We're wannabes. And so these guys, they know what they're doing. Like, we ran into the triads from Rush Hour 2, and they were like, <laughs> they, were ready to, they were ready to get us. And so they start shooting. Everybody runs back to their cars, and we go to, you know, we drive like two miles away and we stop at this Jack in the Box and that's where we all meet up. And everybody's like, what just happened? Is everybody okay? Is there any, are there any holes in you? Like, is, is everyone alive? And we find out only some people's windshields got shattered, but no one got shot. I don't think that they shot us on, like, I think that they, they did that on purpose. But I just remember after we realized everyone was okay and everyone made it back, a couple of these fools were like, all right, y'all ready to go back? <laughs> and I was like, y'all are crazy. This is, this is the dumbest thing. What? I'm not even a gangster. I have two parents at home. They love me. I haven't been shot at. I don't have 14 bullet holes in my body. I'm not 50 cent. I quit. I quit. This was a terrible idea. But we've all been in this where we've, like, done stuff in the past where, like, people do all these things. You know, they... 
you, like you think about some of the things that people buy, you know, like it's not a truck. It's not enough to have a nice car. You got to have a car that has a 120 inch lift, you know, like, you know, you got to it's not enough to or it has to be a gold plated car. It has to it can't just have a sunroof. You know, it has to have an aquarium up top. You know, it's it's like not a, you got to like you see people buy islands to be happy. Like people do a whole lot of stuff like we all do silly stuff in order to be happy. And we're going to talk about, we're starting this series, and it's called the Upside Down Kingdom. And we're going to talk about the Beatitudes. And Jesus talks about specifically how to be happy. Not just how to be happy, but how to have a real happiness. And I'm so glad Akito said what he said, because it goes, I mean, he said it, he said it better than I can say it. Jesus makes it clear when you read Luke 24 and 26 through 26, he says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation, and woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to, woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. And he's basically telling all these people, hey, these these are the patterns, these are the customs of what is another kingdom, and it is not of my kingdom, because I am bringing another kingdom. He talks a lot about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and it, no real difference in the two. It's just that Matthew just likes to use the term kingdom of heaven because it's written specifically to Jewish people, a Jewish audience. It's the only reason for the difference, but they're the same thing. But one thing is, Jesus makes it clear, if you read what he has to say and you read what Paul has to say, especially in Romans, there are two kingdoms going on simultaneously. There's the kingdom of God, and then there's the kingdom of darkness, or the kingdom of this world. It goes by a lot of different names. They refer to it by a lot of different names. In these, in every kingdom, there's different patterns. There's different values. And these values are all values that Jesus is saying are values not of his kingdom. They're attitudes of the kingdom of darkness. The reason we're calling the series the Upside Down Kingdom is because as Jesus talks about what his kingdom is like, all of the patterns for it are totally opposite of what people would typically think would make you happy and what would be right. Jesus comes in and he says these things and you, and you look at him the first one it's like woe to you who basically who trust money and trust what money can give you which is power woe to you who trust money because you have received you've received it all like in this life that's it woe to you who who, who are comfortable meaning material comfort like woe to you if that's what you if that's what you trust to make you happy once once I'm comfortable then I'll be happy once I have this, or once I have, you know, the aquarium in my car or whatever, like, then I'll be happy. Or he says, woe to you who laugh. And what he means by laugh, that's not like just like, hey, it's not okay to laugh if you're, if you're a Christian. But it's like, no, like, woe to you if it's a, it's a boastful laughter. It's a laughter of like a looking down laughter, a laughter that's brought on after some great success where you are like, it's like an arrogance that comes with this laughter. And then he says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. Woe to you if your trust is in recognition. 
as long as people think highly of me, I'm happy. And he says all of these values, the greatest weakness is that they're temporary. And we've all experienced this before because, you know, I'm thinking about stuff and I'm thinking about, like, the different things that I've done to be happy. All of us have been in those moments where stuff is just so good and you're like, why can't this last forever? We've all felt it. Where you're like, why doesn't this just keep going on? Why can't, like, you're, like, at this, like, I don't know. I was, saying, I, was I remember being at Katie and Charles's wedding. That was, that was so much fun. And I genuinely remember having the thought, why can't this just go on forever? Hanging out with these friends in this place with the sunset in the back. Your boy likes barbecue, so, like, the food was on point. It was such a fun time. And I was like, why can't this go on forever? And Jesus is, Jesus is making it clear that these things, these values, things that are not of my kingdom, they're basically temporary. They don't last. It's like, yeah, it's, it's great now, but it won't go on. And this is, the, this is a good way to, to see this. Is this is the right side up kingdom because everything in our culture, everything on TV and, and books, movies, they're all hitting this. Like you'll be happy once you, just, once you have enough money or once you have the right grades or once you have the right career or once you have the, the – like you'll be happy once you get this – like when people think this of you, then you'll be really happy. And Jesus is saying, nah, no, nah, that's not really it. It's funny because this makes sense psychologically, philosophically, biologically. Like we don't, in class, we don't hear the survival of the overlooked or the survival of the rejected. We hear the survival of the fittest, he who is strongest, he who has the most money, he who has real power. Those are the people who are happy. And Jesus is saying, no, no, that's not it. And then he's also saying, it's not just this world either. Because all of these values are based on this, this kingdom. The interesting thing about these two kingdoms is the people who are part of the kingdom of God realize that there are two kingdoms. The people who aren't a part of the kingdom of God think that there's only one. They think there's only one way to see things. There's only one, there's only one outlook. What we see is what there is. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not it. There's my kingdom. There's the kingdom of God. And I want to show you the attitudes that people have who are part of my kingdom. And that's so interesting because as we think about the fact that there's these two kingdoms, what he's showing us is like not only if you are comfortable now, not only will you feel empty later, but because this life is not all that there is, there will be a cosmic emptiness on a level that you can't even imagine, an eternal emptiness. And so we're going to look at that tonight. Now, some of you are all like, man, that was kind of sad. Turn to your neighbor and say, that was kind of depressing. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, oh, no, he is not about to make me talk to other human beings. <laughs> Jeff? I don't know where you are. Oh, you, you picked the seat in the back. You should have been sitting up here. Jeff is going to read for me. He's going to read Matthew 5, 
And he's going to talk about, now Jesus, I took, I took a depressing route. Jesus actually didn't talk, start off with a negative. He actually started off with really positive things. He was really happy. He was really exciting when he started talking about this new kingdom, the kingdom that he is bringing, this revolution that he's bringing. But I started off with a negative. So Jeff is going to read the attitudes of the people who are a part of his kingdom, what they have. Now, one thing I want to say about Jeff before he reads, a lot of people don't know this, but Jeff actually preceded me in this Chi Alpha. He, act, he is actually older in Chi Alpha life, or at least WVU Chi Alpha life, than I am. Jeff has been here since before this Chi Alpha started. And I have to say this, and I don't know if I've ever said this to Jeff, but I'm saying it now to you. I can look at you as I say it. I can look deeply into your eyes. By the way, the man has great hair. Don't tell him that someone else in Kyle has better hair than him because he'll be quite mad. But for real though, a lot of people come to me, and I never tell you this, but people come to me and they say, I can't believe who Jeff is today. People who, I, I, I run into a lot of people who knew him when he was like 15 or 16, and they say, Jeff is a totally different person. <laughs> Jeff said, Jeff sucked. But it's just really cool to, in the time that I've known him, and to hear just how much God has done in his life. Like, everybody sees it, and it's really cool. So, Akito, cool story. Jeff, great story as well. Sweet. Uh, it's Matthew 5, 1 through 11. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, the disciples, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and, other, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Thank you. I didn't know you had that. Is that yours? <laughs> That's awesome. These are the Beatitudes. They're called the Beatitudes because they're about being, not doing. Jesus said in his kingdom, if you want to be happy, you have to focus on who you are, not on what you do. This is really cool because a lot of things in this world are telling us what we need to do in order to be happy. And Jesus is saying, no, there's a greater happiness, but it's more associated to your character and who you're aiming to be, rather than just what you do. I almost was tempted to show some pictures that Katie sent me of her in her childhood when she used to live in Cyprus. Katie, Katie Sears. I'm sorry, Charles. Katie Sombrio. Katie Sombrio has lived in about 48 countries while growing up. Really, it's more like seven. But she really did. She's lived. It seems like she's lived everywhere, basically on every continent. She's lived in Africa. I, in fact, she's more African than me. 
Not more African than Jessica, though. But, uh, <laughs> but Katie used to live in Cyprus. And Katie has some pictures of her when she lived in Cyprus for two years. Cyprus is an island on the Mediterranean, or in the Mediterranean. And this island used to be called Makarios. Makarios, or was sometimes called Makarios, is a nickname for it. Makarios is the same word that we have for the blessed. In fact, Sean, could you go to the next slide? Blessed are the poor in blessed are the poor in spirit. It's blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's what we're going to talk talk about tonight. But that word blessed, that word is makarios. The reason that that island had that nickname was because that island, the early settlers believed it had everything it needed in order to be happy, all the resources it needed to be satisfied within itself. It didn't need to. Le you didn't have to leave the island to to get anything. Within the island, the island had everything you needed to be happy. And that is the word that Jesus uses to highlight this real, deep, satisfying happiness. This is so cool because what he is saying here, there was another word. It starts with an E. I don't want to try to say it. It's a Greek word. But he didn't use that word for happiness. It's the word that we think of when we think of happiness because it's a more of a temporary happiness. He didn't use that. He used this word, makarios, which is a happiness that is more of a state of being, a happiness that is so deep that outside circumstances don't affect it. It's a real happiness. It's an eternal happiness. In a sense, you could say it's God's happiness. It's a happiness that's above circumstances. And we've all experienced happiness in ways where our happiness was totally subject to how well things were going. And if they weren't going well, we couldn't be happy. And so Jesus is saying this, and he's saying the first, the first attitude that one should have if he's going to be a part of my kingdom is to be poor in spirit. There's a lot of things I could say about being poor in spirit. There's a lot of different ways of saying it, and I, I had a definition for it, but I actually want to take something from the end of what I have to say because I just think it's the best way to explain what it means to be poor in spirit. Being poor in spirit is to empty yourself of you so that someone else can fill you up. It's like a cup. If I have a cup that's already full of something and then I try to pour something in it, let's say something better. What's a drink that everybody likes? Mmm. I think it was a different answer for every person who said something. All right, we're going to go with something everybody loves, coffee. And then we're going to go with something that only a few weaklings love. If you're a woman, you're not a, it's not a, you're not a weakling. But if you're a guy, shame on you. Tea. Let's say you have a cup of tea. We are a cup of tea. And God wants to pour coffee into us. Coffee is so good. The only legal drug. But coffee, he wants to pour a full cup of coffee into you, but he can't pour both in together because one, the, our cup is already full of something. And so to be poor in spirit is to renounce what you have. In fact, it's not only to renounce what you have. It is also to declare that you need help. You need grace from another. Charles Dickens. Some, anybody have to read Charles Dickens in high school? Yeah. Okay, a few of y'all. Great expectations. 
his definition, not his definition, but the English definition for poor back in that time in England 150 years ago was it was not just that you were poor, not just that you didn't have resources, it was that you were not only not having resources, you were also entrenched in debt. And you, your situation was hopeless unless somebody came in from the outside and changed everything. And this is what this means. It means to depend on something or someone to fill you up and to renounce what you have as sufficient. I hope that's clear. I think it'll be more clear as we go on. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. I want to talk about three things tonight. I think I skipped one. Forgive me, Sean, if I did. I want to talk about three things tonight on how to be poor in spirit. How can we be poor in spirit throughout our week, this week? The first way we can be poor in spirit is we can depend on God for wisdom. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That is totally talking about a deeper happiness a deeper fulfillment that goes beyond the circumstances of this world. And it's all about trusting the Lord. This whole beatitude is about having an attitude where God is my trust and not myself. I empty my trust of myself, and I fill my trust with him. And that's exactly what Akito said. And I thought that was so cool. And I thought that was put together by someone a whole lot smarter than the both of us. And Proverbs 14, 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Man, long John Silvers seems like a good idea. Not to me, but to some people. Some people are like, $4 lobster? You can't beat that anywhere. There's a reason you can't beat that, because it's not food. But, like... Long John Silver seems like a good idea at the moment, but really it is it leads to a dead end. It is it is it is I'm sorry for all Long John Silver fans. I'm going hard in the paint. It's not good. It is not good. Or how many times have we thought something was a good idea and then we realized, like we said earlier, you had this moment where you're like, what was I thinking? Maybe that guy that you dated, that you were, you were like, okay, I know that he dated all my friends, and I know that he doesn't really believe in school or working. That's because he hasn't had a, you know, and he hasn't had a job in like three years. And yeah, he has a little, you know, thing that you have on your, on your ankle, you know, when you get in trouble with people who are called uh, authority or the the police, and. But hey, y'all y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Girls, even guys, you date this person and you're like everybody's like this is a terrible idea. Do not do this. Stop immediately. And then you're like, "No, I'm different. I can change them." We you, you just don't know the way that it makes me feel. And then a few months later, you're just like, "What was I thinking? Why did I date this person?" Well, <laughs> It was, all the signs were clear. 
it was so clear, but I still dated him. There is a wisdom. There is a wisdom that we think we have, and it leads to a dead end. But it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 7, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. That is so cool. So cool. It means do not be impressed with your way of doing things. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Be not wise in your own eyes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Friends, when it comes to making wise decisions and trying to trust God's wisdom and not our own, two things to be able to do that well. First of all, prayer. If we ask, he will, he will show you the way. I guarantee you. In fact, it says here in James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives grudgingly and sparingly to all. Is that what it says? No. It says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. He will give us wisdom. If we ask him, Lord, is it a good idea for me to date this person? I remember I almost dated someone. They, it wasn't a good idea. And I just asked God. I said, I don't know what I should do. I was totally in a situation where a lot of people were like, this doesn't look like a good idea. And then I was like, yeah, but I feel like I'm different. And then I prayed. And it was really cool. God answered, the, answered it for me because he, he shut the door. And there's a verse in Revelations that is so good. It's one of the few verses in Revelations that gets quoted often. He is able to shut doors that no man can open, and he's able to close doors or open doors that no, that no man can shut. God can m- reveal it to you what you should do if you ask him. Another way, though, to trust in his wisdom is to read the Bible. We got to read the Bible. Or we're not going to know what what is wise. He is he is he has made so many things clear about what is a good decision and what is not a good decision. Just in in the Bible. My dad, it's I think I think this is like it's like it's like giving a good gift. My dad is quite possibly the hardest person in the world to give a gift to. I'm convinced it is it is just so hard to get this man a gift. He he has everything. And he has everything before it even existed. It it feels like that. There's like nothing I could I could get him. I me and my brothers will get together and we'll be like, "Hey, we're going to get we're going to get dad an iPhone 7 for Christmas. It's only been out for 3 months. Surely he doesn't have it, you know. Why would we decide to do this though? Because we have spent enough time with him to know what he likes. I know Rodney Goody. The man likes technology. I mean, he has stuff that I did. I, most of the stuff I know about technology is stuff that I found out from him because he already has it, and he's telling me about it. He gets everything. And honestly, just knowing Rodney Goody as well, because I do know him, if we did get in that iPhone 7, you know, we'd find out that he probably got it in like 2013 or something. You know, like it's just like it's it's just what he does. I mean, it's it is crazy to me. He had you know he had an HD TV before when plasma was still big. You know, he he has a four is it 4G? Is that what it is? 4G TV? 
4K. There it is. See, I told you I don't know anything about it. But he had one. He had one like six months ago. It's like the dude doesn't play. He's on point. He is on on point when it comes to technology. But I am able to. We are able to at least know what we would want to give him, because we know him. And we can't know God's will, and we can't know what God's wisdom is if we don't read the Bible. We just can't. The second thing, though, is not only can we be poor in spirit, not only can we trust in him for wisdom, but we can also trust in him when it comes to timing. Timing. If you read the Bible, you have noticed that a lot of the Bible is waiting. An unbelievable amount. In fact, if you've just walked with God for any period of time, you realize waiting is a very big deal. Why is timing important? Because you cannot be poor in spirit. You cannot be poor in spirit. You cannot trust God with your life if you do not know how to wait well. There's different seasons. There's seasons of success. There's seasons of being really busy. There's seasons of this and that. And there are seasons of waiting. Waiting is a big deal to God. You read the story of Abraham. God promised him that he would have a son. It was 10 years before that son was. It was 10 years later after he gave him this promise that he would have a son. Abraham and his wife are really old. Really, really, really old. Everybody made fun of them because of this promise. Because they were like, there's no way you're going to have a kid. Abraham waited for 10 years. Then he took matters into his own hands and said, hey, I'm going to help you out, God. Look, me and Sarah devised this plan. We're going to have a child through her maid. That's very weird today. Um, in fact, it's probably illegal today. But back then, for some reason, it was a good idea. And so that's what they did back then. If, you, if a woman was barren, then her maid would have, I, I don't even understand it. But that's what they, that was a scheme that they came up with. And God, even though that decision hurt a lot of people, and even though it wasn't right, God still blessed him and gave him a, a son through Sarah later on. And he did still bless that other son that he had through his servant. But there is a timing to everything. And we have to learn how to wait well with God. You know, some of us are waiting. Some of us are like, man, I, I just want to be I just want to be with someone, you know, and, and you have to learn how to like. Like in a relationship, sorry if that's not clear. I, I just want to be in a relationship with someone. And you got to learn how to wait on God for that and not take that into your own hands. And some of you, you know, it's not an issue of like you already have that person, but you're like trying to stay pure in this relationship. You're like, hey, God says this about how we should be together, but I didn't hook up with you because you were ugly. And I, I want to I want to do something. You want to do something. <laughs> but you have but but God says there's a timing to that as well. And, and some of us are, are in another spot where we're waiting because we want to graduate. And some of us don't even know what we want to do with our lives. And so we're like, God, would you just show me what the future is? Because I just don't even know what, what I should do with my life. And we're all like, all of us are in some ways are waiting for something. And we have to learn how to wait well. It's like a very big deal because our culture is totally against this. Everything is about speed. They come out with the iPhone 7 this week because... They need a faster iPhone. You know, the PRT sucks because it's not fast, because it, it's slow, and it's not the most reliable. PRT is not terrible. I like the PRT. But 
it isn't fast. And, and then it has this other issues. It's like kind of being like carried around by like horse and buggy on a date, except the date is not with someone you like. It's like with 11 strangers. <laughs> and someone didn't brush their teeth that morning. And then someone farted. But no one wants to look at each other in the eye, so no one says anything. But let's, let's you know, uh, PRT ride, we love it. <laughs> what do you think about Starbucks? I like Starbucks, I like coffee, that's already clear. Starbucks, it's not enough to wait. Five to ten minute wait at Starbucks is too long for my day. So I need to order it and pay for it before I get there so that I can walk in, grab it, and walk out. And so the whole experience will be 39 seconds because that's how long I really have. Everything is about speed, and God is like, no, nah, you got to wait well. You have to wait well. And there is a great scripture. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. And I do want to say this. I almost left it out. We have to remember two things when it comes to waiting on God. While we're waiting, God is working. And a delay is not a denial when we wait for him. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31, says, and I might have, it might be, yeah, it starts at 27. We're going to skip 27. Just look at verse 28. It says, have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the creators of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Such a good verse. That verse is all about waiting. It says, but they who wait for the Lord... And this, and this kind of carries me into my very last point. My last point isn't long. In trying to be poor in spirit, we need his wisdom to know how to rely on him well and to know what that looks like. But we also need to wait on his timing. But another thing we need is we need his vision of our future. I said earlier that there are two kingdoms, and one kingdom says that this, what we see, is all that there is. And Jesus, in talking about this new kingdom, and talking, because this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, this, these Beatitudes, and he's talking about the standards, the customs, the attitudes, the actions of people who are part of his kingdom, how we carry ourselves. As he's talking about this, he is also alluding to the fact that this life, what we see, is not all that there is. And that there is a greater future for all of us, possibly. C.S. Lewis says it so well, I don't have the quote up, but he says, we are, not, we are not bodies that have souls. We are eternal souls that happen to have bodies. Your life here, James, James 14.4 4.14 says it so well. Our lives are but a shadow. And they pass quickly. This is not all that there is. And so in thinking about that, in being poor in spirit, 
I need to empty myself out, empty myself so I can have his wisdom and so that I can have his timing, but lastly, so that I could have his future. Looking back at that verse, Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. A.W. Tozer helped me to see this, and it, he was speaking to college students, and he said this, and it's like it's had a tremendous impact on me, and it's been such an encouragement to me. He said this. He said, that word for renew is not, it's not what we think of. It's not like this renew of like, oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build you back up. Kind of like you go to the gym, and then you're like exhausted afterwards, and then he's like, hold on, let me give you your energy back. It's not that. It's an exchange. It's, a, it's more than just a feeling back up to where you were. It's an exchange. It's a total exchange. An exchange for what? For his strength. Those who wait upon the Lord, they will, they will exchange their strength for his strength. It's like if I'm going to the gym and I'm exhausted afterwards and then I'm walking out and I'm seeing this guy who's like, whoa, that's where I wish that I was physically. This dude is in shape. Like my man right here. Dude, I saw you walking earlier today. I was like, man, I'm, I need to pick it up. But when I leave the gym, I don't, I don't want to walk out of the gym. If God's going to renew me, I don't want to be renewed to where I was. I want to look like that. I want, I want more. I don't want to just be filled back up with the same puny stuff that I had before. I want to be where I wish that I could be. And that's what he's saying here. So when he says that I will renew your strength, I will exchange your strength for my strength, this whole beatitude, these beatitudes, this is all about this. He is saying, I will change your picture of happiness, and I will give you an eternal happiness, my happiness. This isn't, this isn't, the, this isn't the happiness of this world. This kingdom's happiness, this is his happiness that he's giving to us. And not only is he giving us his happiness, but he is also giving us his timing, meaning like his ability to actually wait, his strength to wait, his fortitude to wait. It is not easy waiting. It is not easy, easy persevering. It is not easy obeying. He is going to give us his power to do this. And he is also going to give us his future. Says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He did what he is saying here is if you trust me, ultimately, you will have the kingdom. And in my kingdom, my citizens have my happiness. They have my wisdom. They have my ability, my strength to live this out. And most of all, they have my future because our futures get to be tied with his future. And no matter what sin did to us, no matter what our past was, no matter what mistakes we made, no matter what happened, he sent his son to give you an entirely new future. And it's cool because being a part of this kingdom can change that future today into forever. Those who wait upon the Lord shall exchange their happiness. They shall exchange their wisdom. They shall exchange their ability, their strength, and they shall exchange their future for mine. I exchanged my life for them, 
and now all the blessings of being me, I will make available to them. All we have to do is empty our cup and we can have it. This is so, it's so possible and so real. I feel like I could just go out and grab it. And I can, and we all can. This is, he will exchange everything for his and his is so much better i want to be a part of his kingdom and so that's going to be the rest of our journey is how to have the attitudes of ones who are a part of his kingdom let's pray lord god thank you for the privilege of being able to be a part of your kingdom thank you lord god for sending your son so that that could be so real impossible for all of us because Lord we all have past that they need to be redeemed and you have made that possible for us and you have made it possible for us to not only have redeemed a past but to be able to go forward with you and live as citizens of your kingdom in this world Lord God I pray that you would help me to really live out the scripture and to allow myself to be poor in spirit I pray Lord God that you would do the same for everyone else here let us get a taste as your word says taste and see that the Lord is good let us get a taste Lord God of that eternal happiness that you give and find that everything else just doesn't satisfy you're good Lord you're so good thank you this in Jesus' name. Amen.